Guys, welcome back to the Cooper Fucker Podcast. We are in a brand new setting. New setting We're here at my house, the my me- home the, house. The mecca of podcasting. Is this the, yeah, the, first, this the is new the, mecca? This isn't the first one of the year, is it? Have we done one this year? Um, yeah, it's the first one, one of the. Yeah. No, we have. We have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Months, man. This 2019? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. We definitely have. It's, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it's already it's April, April, man. It's already April. I know. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. We're a bit rusty, but anyway. Um, yeah, so I moved house, so this is like the new setting, uh, new feng shui, so, and our first guest in the new setting is Stephen Walsh. Stephen so, Walsh, SW Elite. So uh, he's... Uh, thanks for being here, Stephen. No yeah, thanks for Do having me. Do you want to give us a bit of a brief about yourself? Who are you? Why are you here? Um, I am Stephen Walsh. <laughs> Who, <am I? laughs> Who am I? Um, Stephen Walsh, I am the head of athletic development, um, youth athletic development at Fit100. Um, and I am here today to hopefully give a little bit of an insight into sports science, um, my soccer background, and just a little bit of insight into yeah. those things. I know he's that. You do a lot more than just the youth side of things, though, as well. Just oh, to be kind of clear with that, like you know, like from from our perspective, like Stephen is like the main guy inside in terms of like coaching and you know running through programs and making sure everything's up to speed with adults and with kids yeah, you yes. know what i mean so like do a lot of the, the background stuff in terms of the new apps that we've got going yeah programming yeah. um with the interns and the lads we have on work experience kind of bringing them up to speed with stuff mm-hmm. um having a hand in the the back end stuff in terms of you know processing memberships if we need to. you have you have Just you like, have your finger in all the pies yeah yeah um but obviously you want to try and stay as much in the coaching as possible yeah exactly um, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the bit that i Pretty much excel at most of the time. Yeah, so it's yeah. been a long road for Stephen to get on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we, we have we have joked about you've this been, many many been, a time. Yeah, yeah, you've been knocking on our door for a while. He has, he has. And he's been an eager not, beaver, and you know. Yeah, believe it or not, the application form was sent. Yes, April April first. Yeah, and I did. Now he's I, here. I thought about it for a second. I was like, April is 1st. he trying to have me on here? And I was like. <laughs> It's a joke. Now, see, one thing you're always taught when it comes to forms, you always have to read the small print. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you read the small no. print because if you look yeah we might get on the video later if you look on the first page of, of the of the application part there is really tiny print that says <laughs> this, this is, is an April Fool's joke <laughs> <laughs> so you're the first I didn't person. even see that no I know me and Mark it was very very well done very I good. wouldn't mind but I sat there filling it out and I was like was it clear? And we've never re- in our life sent an application form to was, anyone. Yeah, yeah. I was reading the questions. This joke has gone on for about two months, maybe. I was, yeah. I was reading the questions and I was like, okay, that sounds genuine. It's like there was what thirteen. I got through the questions. I have them here. So me and Mark made this the other day. Uh, so the first question. So the idea was it was a joke, but to kind of to bait him in as well. Yeah. So first one, brief summary of who you are, topics you'd like to discuss on the upcoming podcast, your shoe size and your sock size. Your relationship status. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you working in the industry you're currently working in? Is the earth flat or round? Your future goals That's in tough, life. Tough, tough. What did Sally sell at the seashore? If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? What's your favourite scented candle? Any topics you would rather not discuss? Warning, these may come up in the conversation. The last book you actually read. 
and <laughs> what is your why? So it was a nice mix. Do we do we get the answers to those? We did all of them. That was the idea. Stephen spent a lot of time filling out those We know we know a bit more about Steve than he knows about himself. The question, which one was it? It was the Yankee. If you could be remember for one thing, the reason why I thought it was genuine is because you've actually asked that question before, and I was like, yeah, it's real. I um, made dinner yesterday um, and bought a bottle of Prosecco and I was drinking it and I was halfway through the bottle and I was answering these questions. Like, okay, I could do one of two things here. I'll answer the serious question seriously and then I'll... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably guess that. Most, like, the best question... Yeah, your favorite candle, Yankee Mandarin Cranberry. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, yeah, interesting. Oh, okay. Citrusy fruits are good. Good, I like that. And, and nice that was the only yeah. question I really had for you, anyway. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna read? Are we gonna read some of them out, or are we just? It was a night. To be fair, I even need, the, the funny ones. We'll most of them as we talk. Uh, even okay, the funny yeah, ones. Yeah, were a nice in, little mix of questions, and I was like, "Is it not bad questions? Whether or not it was a joke or not." April Fools. Yeah, we should probably like. We'll come back to them then when we do quick yeah, fire. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. Not, sure, yeah. To be fair, the serious ones so are good. Technically, I'm a real OG of you put a uh, Cooper Pot. Yeah, you are. You're the first one ever to. Yeah. We actually yeah. might do that from now on. We might send that question here to you. It's funny. Yeah, Trendsetter. Yeah. I'm telling you, Trendsetter. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. So let, let, let's get into the, the meat and veg. Yes. Let's start with the FAI. You're, you're the first guest we've had on that's uh, soccer based, I suppose. We've had GA, we've had. Uh, martial arts. Gerard, yeah, who or not? Yeah, sorry, Gerard was Lord both, Hegarty, um, yeah. Graham, who was martial arts and yeah. you know, uh, mental health advocate. So you're the first soccer-based uh, guest. I wouldn't be very well briefed on soccer. Played it for a while. Played centre back. Just the big bat I played centre back too. Man, man. That was man. It. Just going win headers. Man, we would have. I was a speedy guy that covered. <laughs> you played centre back as well. No! <laughs> Cameraman played centre back. I'm just going to put this oh, out really? there. I playing goals, and this would potentially be the worst back three I'd ever played behind. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, Orlando, we've got two. What we could do is three in the back. You know, Are you the two enforcers, and I, I'd be all right I'd go and covering around the back. All right, legged. All right, legged. See, we played three at the back as well, and Cody. So there's. Jump. Oh, giving away tactics here now. We might have to edit that bit out. Job positions opening up. <laughs> they used to call me Pirlo. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um, it's the hair. Yeah, it was the, the hair. hair. To be honest, yeah. it was the hair. It certainly wasn't any soccer abilities. No, no. I got more yellow cards than I kicked the ball. I'd say. I was just put on to stop the good guy. Who was just a man marker. I was the the brute. Um, so, but yeah, we, we will we will get into that because. It's your background, it's your base. Yeah, it's Have you always been soccer? Is that, is that um, your first sport you ever played? I played, I actually didn't play um, kind of like structured sport, I'd say, until I got over here. So I lived in England before when I was younger and moved over here just before I turned nine okay. um, and then started playing over here. I played soccer with Herbis on my home club um, and then played rugby at the same time. Um, so I played rugby with Bruff for a while, but that was just because I played rugby in England as well for a bit. Um, but Wait, where's you playing rugby? Yeah, what position? Uh, a winger, actually. Oh, yeah. Nice. Because um, the same reason I played winger in rugby was the same reason I think I played kind of midfield in like football because I could just catch the ball. Mm. That was it. Um, hands goes a long way. Mm. Yeah. Um, so like would have played um, rugby for a little bit until I was about eleven or twelve and played football um, and hurling in school, but like never seriously. Soccer was always the one where if it came to it, like soccer would come first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then brought it up obviously from the fact of watching my dad play all the time. Um and he being a big sports fan as well and major soccer like fan sport was or soccer was the only thing that was like was he high, any, level, high level soccer? Um in his head, yeah. yeah. Um mm. I think 
whether or not it's true, he at some point played for Wolves under 13s or 14s. I think he told me that one time. Um, again, whether it's true or not, is, well, it counts. Um, it counts. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, as in, like he would have coached us the whole way up as well. Like so, um, okay. yeah, yeah. majority of what I learned before I turned maybe 14 or 15 would have come from him, both obviously from and a parent point of view or from a coach point of view. So, where what team was he? Um, so when I first moved over here, um, I live in Herbistown, so the the country. Um, so we'd have played with them up until under fourteens, um, and he'd coached us all from nines to fourteen, so about five years, and then left them and went to play with Corbley in town. Actually, just over yep. the road. Shout out um, Corbley. <laughs> so um, Corbley, Corbley calls you up. <laughs> um, so went and played with them for two years, fifteens and sixteens, and he coached them as well in the second year. Um, what, why did you come into City to play with them? Um, more competitive or I think it was, was the fact more that we, 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 we had a decent team at that age group in Herbison and we yeah. at the time we were, were challenge, like trying to challenge for the National Cup at the time yeah. um, and we were like short a couple of players so we had a couple of players come out from good teams in town like Fairview and mm-hmm. Pike at the time um, and what actually happened was the opposite of what we intended to happen so we'd hoped that those three or four players would sign with us mm-hmm. what happened is then our five or six better players ended up leaving to go to them so kind of like backfired on us so at the time then there was only me left though I think four of them went to Fairview one went to Pike and I was left on my own and I was like rather than go to a decent team who challenged already because I played in goals I was like I'll go somewhere where I'm busy mm-hmm. so yeah. like Corby at the time would have been a team now getting beaten eight nine ten nil regularly like oh. so I was like okay I'll go here and it was I like that at, man at the time it wasn't really <clears throat> my Top process. It did was, you know anyone at the club? No, I didn't know. I hadn't a clue. Like, um, man, it's fascinating. So it was Dad's idea to say, okay, rather than go somewhere where you're in goals, you're winning all the time. You're not really busy. Yeah. Not going to get much better. So go somewhere where you're constantly busy. So go to Carberry. Getting man, that is genius. Looking back at it now, it's probably the best people, thing I ever did. Like. People do the complete opposite. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? um, So went and you know, you're getting beaten eight nine nil, um, and then eventually went to kind of three or four nil that year. So kind of solid it up, and then we won. Did we get to the final of some uh, cup competition kind of the following year, which was like major for like mm. Corby at the time, and um, we few away trips in the national cup as well. So that was nice, but it was just a case of like I was constantly busy for two years playing goals, um, constantly working, and then it was the end of my second year then that I ended up uh, playing or signing with Limerick under 19s when it first brought in. So that was kind of the. The process of it. So yeah. playing with Herbison, who were decently competitive at the time, then moved to Corbury for two years, where like non-competitive, but it was more of a personal thing rather than yeah, developing your yeah. own skills and things. And yeah. then obviously, then they went from there to to Limerick, whereas for what three, four years. And then so, when you went when you went to Limerick, does that stop all the kind of club football? Yeah, so it's it's li- yeah, it's different to the GA. Obviously, if you play with Limerick, you play with your club as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But like when you sign with Limerick, Limerick is your club. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um went and played with Limerick nineteens for three years and then successfully? Um it would depend on what you'd class as like successful because it's it's kind of a developmental league and it's it's non competitive. They do have the cup competitions in there, but when you sign it's, they have the same process now because they've got the thirteens, fifteens, seventeens and nineteens. Mm-hmm. And it's the main goal is okay, how many players can you get from there into the first team? And it's that's your that's your goal. It's not about like doesn't matter how many trophies you win at that age group, 
in five years' time, if none of those players are still playing, you've you haven't done your job. Like, yeah. Um, when you look at obviously like Limerick now, like a lot of the players that are playing in the, the senior team are have come through the since <laughs> 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 You give me a boot under the table there because <laughs> I was going. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Mark, Mark's going to cut it out of the audio anyway. So. <laughs> Always that. No, um, so yeah, so when you look at it from like from a pers- personal point of view, um, obviously developed a lot. That was when I first met. Um, Eddie Hickey, the goalkeeping coach, who is now the goalkeeping coach of Cork City, and us. Um, so like I've built like personal relationships yeah, yeah, from absolutely. that. So like when you look mm-hmm. at it from that point of view, um, both personal and professional, like I've I've built game, those connections game, through yeah. that. Um, from like just the playing side of things, it probably ended ultimately unsuccessful because obviously I ended up not playing with them anymore. Um, went back to uh, or went and played with Geraldine's uh, junior football for a year back to Corbley for six months where I went on my placement halfway through the year so I ended up cutting it short went to Janesborough for another year um, and then ended up at Ashingham Academy where I am now for my third year so I've, I've been like, yeah. it's 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 what, I, what I'm really fascinated about is like the difference between sports like in GA it's obviously very much so what the club you play with you're rooted yeah, to them that's your club left yeah. yeah now in rugby it used to be that way in Limerick City, yeah. but about ten years yeah, ago, it, so start, anymore, yeah. it started to change, and fellas, yeah. were, and that was because money was introduced, and fellas oh, yeah. were getting paid to move. Yeah. But like, what about soccer? Like, is, is is that common where players like jump from club to club, to club to club, yeah. and then you know, is is have you noticed a difference between those clubs, and like, why have you stuck with Anacardi? Because I know that you have a, a good relationship with yeah. with that club. So um, I think when I left, I went back to Corbally the the. The second time, because obviously I knew the club, um, they were constantly asking me to go back, and I, I had a, a, a relationship with them, so it was for no other reason that I was, I don't want to say doing them a favour, but you know, they, they didn't have a goalkeeper. You, you, uh, fell, uh, you fell it was Yeah, right and, and time, I wanted yeah. to just, I wanted to go back playing and enjoying playing again yeah, regularly, yeah. and it was just like a personal thing as well. Um, whereas like with, with soccer, like not even at underage level, there's no real kind of like, loyalty to your home club as there is in the GA it's just not there do you reckon if, if, if there was that money in GA would people be that loyal no like money will make people move I think so too yeah, oh, money yeah like think about it you can you can put it like the it same would ruin, that, it would ruin the GA yeah the same no. in professional sport when, when lads are like oh why are you going to that club where they're not as big as like look if you were getting paid twice yeah. as much Absolutely. to do the same job yeah but it becomes else. it becomes like a family decision oh yeah it's not like you, you you're you're not making those decisions yourself you're making those decisions with a partner if you have a partner yeah, yeah. and like you know money becomes yeah, rent paying mortgage it's like john is in obviously when like people have kids you gotta make those decisions as well but like it's like when people leave like big teams in england to go and play in like you know france or yeah like, we're thinking about like the, the quality of life in those countries is so much better like yeah, it yeah. makes sense like mm-hmm. so and you could you could Bring that back to here. If you are offered money to go and play, what is an amateur sport? But does that does that happen it. in soccer as well? Um, <laughs> oftentimes there is like, I think Limerick is a it's a it can be a horrible place sometimes for people's attitudes towards yeah. junior soccer in Limerick. And is that and is that the reason be, why there's a lot of that kind of transferring around? I I think so. Um, a lot of it is teams. I think there's almost like a need to feel better than everybody else in, in Limerick mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of other people have this attitude where like if we can't have it's it you can yeah just like yeah. You know, they'll bring other people down and it's, it's it can be a horrible place sometimes 
um, players will move from club to club because they deem another club to be as successful or they want to be challenging for more trophies. Again, you've got your, your two or three big clubs in Limerick um, mm. who would be perceived to be bigger and challenging. And then you've got kind of like everybody else. And you'll have your players who will just stay at the same club because all they see it as a game of ball at the weekend when mm. ultimately when you look at it, that's what it is. Mm. It's, it's amateur sport. It's, um, you know, give yourself four or five hours during the week to just go and play. And it can be like people f lose that um, kind of point of view sometimes and they look at it from a point of view where like it's professional sport where it's not. Mm. Um, and that's why now at Anacotti it's a lot more comfortable. Like I've been, I've played with Geraldines which I enjoyed for the year. We were kind of competitive. Got to the quarter final of the FEI, the final of the Munster Junior which would be big competitions. Um, didn't win anything that year. Back to Corbally. Uh, didn't win anything, went to Janesville the following year and we were in at 1.7 competitions and it was hugely competitive and enjoyable from the competitive side of things but from the personal side of things and, and enjoying playing, I probably didn't enjoy it at all which is why I decided to leave. Like I could have stayed there and competed for jump the league or whatever competition but at the end of the day if you're playing something you're not enjoying it, there's no point doing it. And what, was, what, was, what, what took away the enjoyment there? Um, I think just the the ultra seriousness of it yeah. like there was no bit of kind of like context surrounding the fact that this was an amateur sport it was you know two to three times a week where you trained to obviously get better and then you played your game at the weekend and people just went above and beyond and like the fan like fans we'll call them like the, the crowd that would go to the games just got to a point where it just wasn't nice to be there mm. you make one mistake and you'd just be absolutely yeah, abused yeah, yeah. for non-stop and like mm. you, know, you don't need that like mm -hmm. it's different if you're playing professional sport and you're getting paid that's your job like you just have to kind of you know, up, buckle yeah. up and just yeah, take yeah, it on the yeah, chin yeah, and yeah. You know, move on and kind of deal with that but like if you're playing an amateur sport like you just and like you can imagine like sometimes when you know, like you think about the footballers and the hurlers you can guarantee they're getting that as well mm -hmm. um but and it, like the hours they put into it is outrageous like um but obviously wasn't enjoying it so I went to Anacotti um who are a family oriented a club they've built the club from the bottom up in terms of looking at their underage structures and keeping as many kids involved yeah. for as long as possible they've got about a thousand members in the club which is like I think it's That's the biggest mama. it's probably the biggest definitely the biggest club in Munster um, it's probably the top three or four clubs in Ireland in terms of members um, obviously started the works on developing the clubhouse which was too small to house everything the car park needs to be kind of um, made bigger because it's not big enough the grass pitch they're developing that the Astro is going to be redeveloped as well in the next couple of years so like there's massive things going on in the club and when you look at it They've won the under 12s, 13s, under 15s and 16s uh, Regions Cup final at underage um, in Munster. Their under 12s are in the National Cup semi-final and the f 13s and the 15s I think got to the quarterfinals as well. Mm -hmm. So like they're competing at the underage age, age groups and now obviously for more like their junior setup probably wasn't as competitive would have been kind of like a social club whereas now because of how successful they've been at the underage levels it's now starting to filter up to the junior level so we are probably the first group of um kind of adult players who are starting to see yeah. that kind of like competitiveness come in which has obviously resulted in us being in the semi-final of the FEI yeah that's, that was my what did you, do you feel like you're in the best period of time playing wise on um from, from when you started is this for me the best the best balance of competitiveness with enjoyment yes um 
obviously I've been to this point before with James Worth three it was actually three years ago last week where we got beaten in the semi-final mm-hmm. um, and we were in seven competitions but I can't remember enjoying any bit of it like we're left in one major competition we're still kind of competing for a place in the league in terms of finishing as high up as you can but it's just the fact that the, the age profile of the squad is so young a lot of the players we didn't know each other at the start of the year like, like for the best the best example or the best way to put it is we were a bunch of misfits trying to get her at the start of the year and said mm-hmm. okay let's see where we can go with this and over time now we've kind of like built that relationship with each other and people are kind of starting to work harder for each other yeah, which yeah. ultimately has resulted in us being in the semi-final yeah. like we've we've earned every bit of it and um, there's obviously some stuff going on in the background in terms of appeals and stuff that we have to just let the club deal with um, which throws some uncertainty in there which isn't nice mm-hmm. um, but again, you just have to deal with. It. But yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's from me personally, it's the best period I've ever been in, and um, the club themselves are in the best position they've ever been in. Um, so it's kind of all positive so yeah. far. Well, like one one of the things that I really like is, no matter what age group comes in or what coach comes mm-hmm. in, there's always that salute where everyone kind of gives each other yeah. a handshake and or like a fist pump or whatever it is. Yeah. And like that happens between every single every single kid that comes in and every single coach that comes in gives that handshake to yeah. everybody, yeah. you know, and everyone says, oh, how are you getting on, Stephen, how are you getting on, Owen, and everyone knows each other's name. And I've never seen that in, in, in any sport, do you know what I mean? And the fact that, like, you as a senior player are doing that with all the kids, and I know you're, you're working with them, but I'd imagine that, like, other senior players, if they met the kids and they, if they knew the kids, that, that the same kind of handshake and respect would be shown, and you see it between the age groups as well. You know, it really speaks to that idea of of the family, community, yeah. the community that they're building. You know, it, and it's amazing. Sometimes know? I forget though that I do like play in the club as well. So obviously, when I'm working in the gym or say out on the pitch, I, I forget sometimes that I've these kids are looking at me not just as a coach, but as the fact that I play with the club as well. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky enough to work with the private soccer academy Total Football for the last two or three years, and I've built that relationship with them because a lot of the players that play with Danacotti are in that academy as well mm-hmm. and now they've come into us so there's kind of a lot of contact time with those groups um, in terms of the, the groups that we work with in the, the gym it's what the 12s and the 13s the 11s, 12s and the 13s come in mm-hmm. I think the 15s were in last year before mm-hmm. we made the were, yeah. they, but no we're in this, this year as well the 16s have been in a couple of times the, the ladies, ladies have, been, have in. been in uh, my, uh, been the junior A's have been in um, a couple of times recently so like we've we've had a, a large amount of contact hours with the club mm. and like you said as soon as someone walks in the door there is that yeah immediate respect for okay like but somebody i would imagine somebody in the club at some stage decided that this is something we're going to do and we're going to mm. filter it throughout and you see them you see it in professional sport like in professional sport like like just the stories that i would hear would be like all the players shake hands in the change room before they come out to the pitch yeah. and they wish each other good luck and you see it in American football where everyone comes in and does the huddle. Like they don't just do that because it looks cool. They do that for psychological reasons yeah, to help yeah, build the yeah, team. Yeah. And like you know, it's it's like in the J, you've got your huddle where like everyone comes together in the circle and players just talk to each other, and that helps build camaraderie. And I think like whoever came up with that idea, like and whoever we'll say brought it to fruition yeah. needs to really be applauded because mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting one because I don't think there was one specific 
person or time where it's like, okay, yeah. this is what yeah, we're going to yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, a lot of those kids have been involved with Total Football Academy. So there's that, a lot of contact time. The Anthony O'Neill, uh, Chris Colopy, uh, Shane Ryan and Alan Faulkner would be the four coaches involved with that group as well. They also coach in the club. So they're involved with all the ages from under sixes to sixteens. So there's a lot of kind of like crossover. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Me. yeah. Who? Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know Alan. So. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Alan's. Alan's. Uh, Alan's the character. We'll say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's that. Every time someone comes in, we do that whole like you know, high five. Yeah. And I don't think it started with everybody. It starts with one or two. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. and then so and yeah, then it's yeah. three or four and then all of a sudden it's nine yeah. or ten and then it's everybody. Yeah. And then I I started doing it with the the kids group to come in on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Again, I, I would have done it with one or two when they come in. Now as soon as the session's finished, they're all pretty yeah. much lining up waiting to give me a high five before they go. Yeah. And yeah. it's just that that relationship now and it, it goes from working with kids and working with adults as well. You have to have when you're working with someone to try and get the best out of them, there has to be that personal relationship level first because you're working with the person first and then the athlete mm -hmm. as opposed to the other way around yeah. and it does especially with the under 11s you see it now like like the respect they'd have for anybody kind of taking over them mm -hmm. as, as a as a coach or as even as a mm -hmm. kind of a volunteer parent coming in to help them there's no it's that They're whole story well of you know, yeah. when you're in school and a, a substitute teacher comes in the first thought in your head is like, okay, I'm going to see how much I can get away with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. none of that. And it's interesting to see because you, you do expect it when you work with a new group or someone new comes in. You expect that kind of, okay, mm -hmm. let's revert back Push to what, yeah, let's yeah. see how we can go. And I, any kids teams that come in, one of the things I put up on the board is um, it's uh, push um, limits, not boundaries. And it takes them a couple of weeks to understand what it means. And it's the fact that like you're pushing the boundaries of you know, what you can achieve in terms of kind of, physical yes, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but you're not pushing the limit of you know, your behavior and yes, yeah. you know, you're not pushing People's the nerves. limits of yeah you're, yeah. you're just getting it's, in it's exact you, you can still have your laugh and a joke and you can enjoy everything that you do but like yeah. don't be messing yeah. don't be you know, kind of acting out of line and stuff like that and I think a lot of the groups now that we work with kind of follow that as well mm -hmm. yeah so, and in fairness like the sessions that like larger you design out are they, they facilitate that they facilitate mm -hmm. the bit of banter within you know, within control and, yeah. and, and all that is really important as a coach, you know. You do need it because a lot of times when you feel as a coach, you need to have control over the session. And a lot of coaches see it from the point of view, okay, I'm the boss, I'm in control. So I almost like a dictatorship type thing. Whereas it has to be like the session is designed to facilitate the end goal of your program. So like, so you obviously have to know where you want to end up because if you don't, then you're just kind of like, you know, shooting in the dark and you've no idea what you're doing yeah yeah and, and that's that's i suppose one of the points we wanted to bring up was like you know the difference between adults and kids training and like you're just touching on like you know what you're thinking about in terms of when mm -hmm. those kids come in you need to understand the person first you need to understand yeah. if they are a kid and you know they might be 12 they might be 15 they might be you know they might be 17 but you know you still need to understand what will work for them and what would they enjoy and and yeah. then after that you got to figure out okay you know what do they actually need to do you know yeah. they need to learn how to move properly and move safely and and if you can get them enjoying themselves and get them doing that then then you're everyone's winning mm -hmm. it's you know? it's a funny one because if a kid came into that kids group for a month or two months and they never got physically stronger but they learned how to clean up after themselves without yeah. having to be told like for me that's a win yeah. like i i'll use the 
the footballers that come into us on a Friday, for example, when they first came in, they did their session, but they'd leave all the gear around them. And I think for three weeks, the only thing I focused on was picking up after themselves as they mm-hmm. went and tidying up and leaving the gym as they found it, mm-hmm. kind of respecting the space, we call it. So now our sessions split up into, it's a two-hour session, but their strength block is split, split up into three. And this is the Limerick under-20 footballers. footballers yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're talking though, like 17, 18, 19-year-old like men almost like, but their strength block is split up into 15 minutes, um, three 15-minute blocks at the end for 45 minutes. And they know now that I won't move on to the next block until the gym is completely tidy so you can move on to the next mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And that now has forced them into like unconsciously now yeah. just tidying up as they go. Habitual. Yeah, Habitual so na- now now yeah. us as coaches can focus more on, okay, let's get the best out of them in the exercises because now we're not worried about the gym being left in a state yeah. after they're finished. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I've read the book um, Legacy by um, Steve Kerr, the one on the mm-hmm. New Zealand rugby players. Yes, and it's that whole like sweep the sheds thing. Like it's, that's how we've done it with them. And that's not just in the gym now because they'll start to carry it over to everything else. Just having kind of pride of place of what you do and doing, doing the best well. you can with everything you do, regardless of whether mm-hmm. it's you know, 100 kilo back squat or if it's you know, picking a band up off the floor and putting it back mm-hmm. where you got it. And that kind of filters down and into the kid sessions because I was doing um, a movement prep session with them the other day. So they had five exercises to do in order certain amount of reps on their own and bear in mind these kids are 12 and 13 so you know they've been in for a while and like they'll do it themselves now which is unbelievable they'll need a, the small few coaching cues but they don't need to be handheld anymore yeah yeah um, and i had um 2.5 kilo plates on the floor and one corner i had five pvc sticks in one corner and i had um i had five resistance bands in another corner and every time they went and picked up one they put it back exactly where they found it neatly on the floor and i was saying to the lads that were on placement i was like just watch for five minutes and see what you see and i think i can't remember which one i think it was john and he just looked at me and he started laughing to himself because he couldn't believe that these 11 12 13 year old kids were that organized organized and comfortable in a gym and they were all smiling laughing it wasn't the case of being told what to do because they were in there now and they're in an environment where if it facilitates learning of how to move properly, enjoying yourself in your gym sessions, and also just learning to be a good human for one to Yeah, and, and just to put a bit of context on the New Zealand point that you touched on, mm. I, I haven't read that book now, but my understanding of it is like all the New Zealand players do the same in the gym. Yeah. They lay out their cones. They take their cones away after training. They yeah. don't need any like kit man to be following them around and looking after them. It, it's that... Um, kind of sweep the sheds um, mantra or the leave the jersey in a better place so everybody knows that when um, when you play for the New Zealand the All Blacks you're so proud of that jersey that you do whatever you can to make sure that that jersey is left in a better place whether it's obviously performing obviously on the highest stage in the World Cup or tidying up after yourself when you're done training so if you get your training tops, you take it off, you fold it, and you put it back, mm-hmm. or you're you know, into the kit bag, whatever it is. You know, you're you're sweeping the dressing room after yourself. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things which people look at and they dismiss as being, you know, above them. But that's where it starts. Like that's a, at a basic level, you get those right. It's easy to kind of perform on the pitch. Yeah. There must be there must be a certain level of, I suppose 
patience and empathy needed when you're dealing with a 12 year old as opposed to a 30 year old you know oh, yeah. there, there must be a different is it a different approach to it is it is it something that's just individualized for the person it's it's one of those ones where uh you just constantly have to remind yourself that you are working with the child like yeah it's it at first and foremost it's a child it's not an athlete it's not anything else except for an 11 year old mm-hmm. or 12 year old so you have to have that patience they're not going to get it right the first time those that do very rarely happens but those that do are kind of they've probably got it from somewhere else yeah and you just have to not get caught up in the fact that oh why can't this person get it why can't they do this exercise is it something that i'm not doing and it could be something that i'm not doing it do i have to do this slightly differently mm-hmm. but it's just having that patience so what you might get done in 20 minutes of a session with a, it's a 25 30 year old you might take six weeks doing it with yeah of course yeah, yeah and it's again you're looking at it from a long-term approach because you might work for six months or six weeks with a client who's you know 25 30 40 whatever it is and you have a specific time frame where they want something from that they know what they want whether it's going to build muscles yes 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 of perform a yeah. 10k run whatever it is you know yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah you have yeah, your yeah, end goal yeah. whereas you're accountable to that goal yeah kind of like when that. you when you take a kid into your kid sessions you're looking at okay i've got this kid at some point in time whether it's 11 12 or 13 and you're looking at it from the point of time okay how much can i teach them between now and the time that they hit 16 so yeah. that they're comfortable in the gym can be trusted in the gym by themselves and they can perform basic movement patterns maybe give give some perspective on, on what like the average what's a program but what your protocol will be with, yes. with a kid you know so maybe a parent of this thing that wants yeah. that I have a kid 12 13 i want to get them involved in some sort of activity in the gym yeah you know, so it's not it's not a case of going and start deadlifting yeah. like no it's um We've a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday program, and the the Saturday one um, is taken by Jake, um, and they're structured in the sense that we know what we want from them, but they're unstructured in the sense that they follow on a certain principles. But what way you get that is completely down to the coach that takes it. Um, we'll always start off with um, a little bit of a warm up, which will take about ten minutes, and it's usually always a game, because at the end of the day, you gotta f- kind of get them into the session and get them mm. kind of get that buy-in and the only way you're going to get that with kids is if they enjoy themselves yeah. like they're not going to go through a structured warm-up that you know you're standing on the same spot yeah. doing the kind of general movement prep you do with an adult so you're doing um the one we use quite a lot of you know, you'd have kind of pairs you have a cone between them and you shall go and it's the first person to yeah, 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 yeah something yeah. like that now they're starting to get reaction into it. or it's kind of a competitive sprints or it's we've another one as well to get the the big bouncy Swiss balls mm-hmm. and you get one person lying on the ground to hold on to it and then the other yeah. person is trying to rip the ball out of their hands. Yeah. So again, it, it, there's no specific set structure. It almost, it almost allows them then, because like, I know you've talked to me about this before, it allows them to almost get that giddiness out of yeah, them yeah, early. For, yeah, because yeah, exactly. you get yeah. in that first five minutes and they can do almost whatever they want within the confines of that game, but mm. they're not... Any pent-up energy is, yeah. is expensive. And they can laugh like, and they yeah. can joke and they can make loads of noise and whatever it is. And then once it's gone out of them, they're focused on the session because they know what they have to do. Um, and then the games themselves then within them have built-in kind of end goals. So like that uh, Swiss ball one, on the phone, someone looking in, they're like, okay, oh, yeah, kids are just messing about with the Swiss ball. But at the end of the day, it's also a core exercise. So you're having to hold on to the yeah, ball. Of course, yeah. So tense your core, be strong in the upper body and lower body. Mm-hmm. And the person who's trying to rip the ball out of their hands is you know, trying to rip the, the ball and it's an upper body strength. The cone one is you know, a reaction one, trying to kind of get the cone first. 
the competitive sprints just teaching them how to run faster but you don't tell any you don't say any of this stuff because yes, yeah. yeah. the kids don't want to be bored with how or, with or the why it, they just it, want yeah. to know what and just go and do it yeah and then once you move past that first 10 minutes then you you've you split it up over the week between the, the tuesday thursday saturday you've got you know, a lower body um squat movement a a kind of a press-up type movement mm -hmm. a, a pull-up um a lunge the usual exercises that you'd use with the fundamentals yeah itself, and, it, yeah. and it's, it doesn't have to be overly outrageously difficult but it just has to be simple enough that they can do them safe enough that there's very minimal risk of them doing it, which there always would anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's a case of like using the a hex bar, which we got new ones recently and they're only 20 kilos, which is ideal because now everybody can use them. Um, a 20 kilo hex bar as opposed to a 20 kilo bar, uh, barbell on their back. Yeah. When it's technically more difficult, you'd get the same benefit from the hex bar being a, a kind of squat pattern, lower body strength. But the risk isn't there having to jump. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and eventually you get, like, we've got all the kids that are 15, maybe 16 in that class who will now move on to using the barbell because they've used the hex bar for so long mm -hmm. that I trust them to do it. And that's that's the progression. And you're, all you're trying to do with that movement is build lower body strength. It's not about squatting, it's not about using a barbell, it's lower body strength. How do we get that mm -hmm. the safest possible way for kids? Because it's like, and it's funny because I always have this conversation with parents who are like, oh, would you? let you know well why kids doing pull up and i'm like it'd be same if a kid was outside climbing a tree absolutely yeah. except for the fact now it's in a gym people are like, oh wait, it just no hang on it just looks kind of like that. formal or something yeah. if it's in the gym but, but, but it's not because you you put the bands on there and the first time they do them yeah. they're bouncing up and they're using the ba the bands as yeah. a trampoline and like, I, I, the, wall, the wall out the back there like my mm. my pull-up strength is pretty good in comparison yeah. to my pushing strength but like we used to kick the ball over the wall at the back all the time and I used to have to climb over that wall yeah. like, and I used to be half the size of the wall so I have to jump up and I have to do a full on push up and I'm, I probably did about 10 of those a day like mm. do you know what I mean and they kept, became so easy over time and now I find that pull ups and all that is like super easy like yeah. you know what I mean and it's like and you, you'd have no, as you said you'd have no problem with your kid climbing a tree or climbing a wall yeah. You know, and getting stronger that way. But ask them. But ask them to do a pull up, and it can yeah. be a bit. And it's you know, funny because, like, the risk you you weigh up the risk of climbing a wall compared yeah, to yeah. being in a gym where there's resistance bands on it making it easier. Yeah, yeah. And which one are you more likely to get hurt from? Yeah. And it's like that as well with the kind of oh, would you let a child lift weights? And I'm like, okay, what's safer in a controlled environment where they've got maybe an eight kilo kettlebell on the floor where I'm teaching them how to lift it off the ground properly? Or sending your child to school with ten kilos worth of books in their bag because they've got, mm -hmm. you know, ten hours of homework to do. Like, mm -hmm. do you know, yeah, it's yeah, that, yeah. And, yeah, I, and I think when when you lay it out like that to parents, and it becomes a little less daunting with the oh, actually, maybe yeah, he's right. It's not that bad. Yeah, and it is. It's the fear of the unknown because they actually don't. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and I would encourage any parent or anybody who's got any kids know anybody who's interested in coming in even if they want to come in and watch it for 10 yeah, minutes yeah just see what it's about because the group that we have at the moment they're they're very comfortable in the gym and there's very little um kind of coaching kind of giving out in terms of the kids know what they need to do now mm -hmm. now it's small fine-tuning bits progressing the ones that have been in the gym um for more than maybe two or three months that are starting to progress onto more difficult things yes yeah. um like for example you've got one kid in the gym who's just gone 11 and he's been in the program for you know, six months but he like he's his biggest thing when you realize that he's getting something out of it we've the sport and limerick sign in the gym when he first came in he couldn't run and jump and touch it mm -hmm. and 
when you're working with an adult do you you take it in terms of data and you're like okay hey, you used to be able to squat 40 now you can squat 80 so there's your improvement whereas for him it's like hey when you came in you couldn't touch this now you can run and jump it every single time mm-hmm. that's him progression yeah. progress that's his that's his yeah, measurement yeah, of progression yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i all like even awesome. even even without that um his his parents were like he can't they can't get over how much better behaved he is yeah. in school and at home because now because he's used to being in sort of a structured environment where he's taking instructions and going doing things by himself because I'll try and give him that responsibility because if you're constantly standing over them then they're less likely yeah. to be yeah. independent of me like and I ideally want to get them to a point where I could just say okay this is what you need to do go and do it and that's I started to do that a little bit more that's why sports so important because that discipline plays mm. over to every aspect of life mm. you know? and so you, you need to have built in the kind of the internal self-discipline in yourself rather than relying yes, on someone yeah. else to stand over and be like okay do this do that and i think again that's why adults require uh pt sessions because they don't have they haven't built up discipline to do things by themselves mm-hmm. and with the kids program it's about okay if you can get to 16 and you're not playing any sport but yet you're still involved in some sort of physical activity because of what you've done before then that's a win obviously you want to try and keep as many kids involved in sport for as long as yes, possible yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, just just to stay active at a basic level. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating about it all is like how like this is almost a conversation about psychology rather than yeah, actual so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ex- exercise habits, selection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's 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 something that we see with with people that come on placement in particular is that their knowledge levels will be good and yeah and 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 they'll have like loads of theory in their mm. mind, but it's the application of that. And as as you said and you yeah. highlighted perfectly, it's it's dealing with the person first and then after yeah. that dealing with the athlete yeah. and a lot of people don't grasp that um, so I think that's like a major take home point that's a bit of an eye opener for me as well I suppose I've never been in that I've never been yeah. in that environment and I was, well, I would have had a lot of people who would come to me about getting their kids involved in something you yeah. know it's, it's the stereotype question of you know will it stop my child's growth oh you yeah. know, I, I assume you, you get that a bunch, and you know, a lot of these, yeah. and it's nothing against the person. I no. mean, like you said, it's just, a, a, I suppose, a miseducation, and it's just this stereotype that it's, you get. It's hard because a lot of the, the the mass media and the media that people see is always the wrong stuff. Yeah. Because it's obviously sensationalized and it's um, extreme. It tends yes, to yes, get yeah. to the masses more quickly than something that's true. Um, and then when I first started it, the first four. Um, or the very first article I wrote was again strength and condition for youth athletes um, and the myths that surround it so like that um, does it stunt your growth because you're going to get those questions anyway yeah, course, so at least yeah. then someone can ask me those questions like look go and read this yes, yeah, if you yeah, have any yeah. further questions then you can come back and we can have a conversation about it rather than saying the same thing over and over again at least then most of the questions that they might have would be cleared up by that mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those things it's not just for kids that are involved in sport it's a lot of um it's gonna have benefits for kids who aren't involved who definitely aren't involved in any activity whatsoever because mm-hmm. a lot of times they they don't play sports so they, don't, yeah. they don't get that they're not inclined to they be involved build, in team sports social skills yeah, yeah. and discipline. it's yeah and like we said earlier on it's it's more than just the physical benefits Absolutely. it's the social yeah, skills yeah. that they build yeah. um the the discipline yeah um, even just thinking there, like even if you're not involved in, in a team of of some sort how do you even make friends yeah like, all my friends come from my sport oh know? like i 
And that's the coolest thing, man, because I only, I only took up jiu-jitsu about a year ago. Yeah. And, like, didn't know anyone got in there. What, yeah. my, my, me and my buddy Stephen went in. But, like, now I have, you know, 30 new friends. 100%. You know, it's 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 Because I look at it now and a bar, like, work. But, like, if you look at all the friends that I have, I can guarantee you 98% of them have For been sure. yeah, yeah, through yeah. sport. But just because I've been so heavily involved in it, a lot of... Um, the progress that I've made in terms of like professionally has been down to the fact that I've made these connections through yep. playing yep. sport. Yep. 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 So Absolutely. like a lot of the times the next progression in terms of my professional life has been attributed to someone that I've met along the way yes. in terms yep. of my sport like which is again it's massive and it that's the most important thing mm-hmm. from being involved in a sport or a program like this where you can like build those friends yep. um, especially for like girls because like, I find that last year when you look at the amount of girls that are involved in it now it's probably split maybe 60-40 which it's tor- to, like towards, still towards still more male, male yeah. but it's 60-40 now whereas last so year might have been like 90-10 yeah, like, yeah, you might have had one issue, maybe you know? two girls in the class whereas now there's like six or seven of them in and they're, they're again I prefer working with that age group um, from the girls I think because I find that they're obviously better behaved more mature yes and yeah. they're a lot easier to deal with obviously when you work with adolescent boys it's a little bit more mm-hmm. complicated for obvious reasons um good let's um let's touch on to the i suppose your background in sports science yes. again it's another i suppose hot topic that so many teenagers maybe maybe 16 17 18 yeah. year olds have an interest in sport play sport all their life yeah know that they want to be involved in that in some way but don't know how sports yeah. science is usually the option that, that they go for yeah it's the option that i had done my cao before i went for engineering mm. I, just purely because i was just so heavily involved in rugby i was like this is probably the right thing to do sports science i'm gonna be you know involved in sport no i eventually yeah. i didn't uh and i'm, I'm thankful i didn't yeah. just because i know what well, I, I don't look back and i wouldn't change anything but yeah uh and loads of my friends have done it but it just seems to be the kind of go-to yeah, which, 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 which is good and bad. You know, it's it's one of those ones where it's so broad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at other courses like in terms of like like if someone's got a back uh, an interest in science, they'll probably go like down the road of doing a science choice degree yeah. in yeah, 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 and yeah. then they'll choose what to do. A lot of people when you see they do a sports science degree and then they pick either PE teaching physio, mm-hmm. they'll they'll branch off. I think when I first decided, um, I was in fourth year. And you do TY and you yeah. do you do a little bit of work experience. I went and did my work placement with the FEI for two weeks coaching and I was like, Okay, I enjoyed this, I'm kind of good at it now. Um obviously looking back on it I actually wasn't at the time, but again that's a different yeah. story. But um I knew I wanted to do something in sport and then fifth year came, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, and then I was in sixth year, first half of sixth year, I'm like, Okay, what am I gonna do? Like and then you're looking through the courses and you're looking I originally looked at doing a is it sports science one in Carlo, and um, where you actually you basically play soccer um, for you know, five days a week and you get a sports science degree out of it. Looked at doing that, but I do like a sounds class. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was looking at it, I was like, that'd every team is just a sports. That'd be the thing. Is, is it only soccer? Um, no, there's like there's it's a GA one rugby. So they do have those streams, but I think the I looked at the process or the process the application process is a lot more. Kind of like stringent in terms of if they do like a portfolio yes. and they do on they usually only accept 
people who are already involved at like League of Ireland level. Um, yeah, or, higher or, level. Yeah, because obviously like what you do, you end up um, being coached by like UEFA B, UEFA coaches during yeah. the week. So it is basically like playing League of Ireland for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you get your sports science degree. I looked at that and I think I didn't really want to relocate to Carlo. Um, yeah, boys. Naturally enough. Boys. Um, and then this my my second uh, thought process was like I actually wasn't going to go to college and I was going to do the FOSS course because again you could train for five days a week, get paid two hundred quid and John. Yeah. John play ball like which everybody just wants to do like. Yeah. And then I realized look, f- that's not feasible because it's grand for two years. But what do you do after that? You yeah. can you get level five or level six. Um, and then I was like, look, I found um, one of the lads who was actually Sports Science of Limerick at the time. He's actually the head of, is he head of development in um, Clare, uh, Kelvin Harold. And I asked him about it and I was like, okay, this is something I might go and see. I think the points at the time were four or five, five. So like they were high enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, look, I throw the head down and I'll, I'll get this. So I'll put that down as my first choice in the CEO. And eventually by the time it got to actually picking my final choices for my CEO, I knew that was the only thing that I wanted to do. Didn't have anything else in my CEO. I picked my first choice and I gave the rest to my mom. I was like, "Mom, pick it, pick, yeah. pick, ni- <laughs> pick 19 other courses there for me to do. Don't you do like uh, both sides, yeah, level yeah, eight, yeah, level yeah, seven. Yeah, so I think yeah, yeah. it's sports science in UL is number one. I think level two was like midwifery down in Waterford. Uh, third choice was forestry in like uh, Dublin. So like all these other choices, sure, I was like, look, if, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if I didn't get sports science, I actually didn't know what I was going to do. So like, look, I'll put the head down. I think I got 470 in my leave insert, but I went and did it, but it still didn't really know what I was getting into yes, or yeah. what part of it that I want to mm-hmm. do. Because when you do your sports science degree, you look at everything from um, anatomy, psychology that we spoke a lot about today, um, Joe, biomechanics, Nutrition, you do so much sports mm-hmm. you It's like a broad introduction to everything, and and it is a lot of. It's a lot. It's heavy in the science, like it is. It, it is. Yeah. It's a. It's a lot of um, kind of like the broad strands of like all the kind of science sciencey bits, and it's yeah. a lot of um touching on them rather than going right into detail yeah, on. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, sports science is one of those degrees where you get out of it what you put into it. You do have to do a, immerse yourself in it and do as much kind of study as you can. Yeah, Gary, um, Gary, that's it exactly. Yeah. And it is like it's not you wouldn't need someone to go and teach it to you, but it's one of those areas where you get so much out of it that it is again really worthwhile to kind of figure out what you want to do. Mm. Um, I knew that I was going to do something along the lines of coaching in my third year placement. I went. I was lucky enough to go to uh, Wolves. I actually got offered the uh, West Coast Eagles placement in Australia. My sister was living in Australia at the time. Um, I think it was like eight months in Australia and it was go to Australia for eight months with my sister I don't, I don't think it was paid I think it was like some sort of allowance but it wasn't going to be feasible I didn't have any savings at the time or um, go to Wolves which was obviously my sport soccer my yeah. dad's yeah. born there yeah. supports them I have family there as well yeah. and it, it just it sat so much better with yeah, me and sad. looking back on it now like it was probably the best thing I did like scandalous hours like I worked I'd say 7am to 10pm for 6 days a week yeah. with one day off mm-hmm. so I think in total I was doing about 2,500 hours over this between the f- 3rd of January and the f- 17th of May I think it came doing, home doing what what was the role oh god um, so I worked mainly with the academy so from under 18s down um, so you're talking you're in charge of um, all the warm ups for all the teams um, all the warm ups cool downs and the movement prep sessions that they do before all the training sessions 
um, planning the gym sessions so the the weekly blocks the monthly blocks and the yearly blocks and then as you move up towards the older age groups so the 15s and the 16s you obviously work with the physios and the medical department um in terms of like working with end stage rehab athletes who are again going back to training and those sorts of things planning and how you're going to get them to that and then you've got a kind of screening processes uh, testing with because they're a category one academy they have this um tick box sheet basically that they fill out every year so to do a testing session with all their age of the 16s and the 18s in conjunction with the premier league so they bring in premier league um accredited um sports scientists and they run the testing session so we're involved with those um and then obviously with the 16s and the 18s and the 21s then you're involved in kind of putting together the gps units didn't do as much in terms of data collection from those because they obviously had their set ways of doing it but it was interesting to see kind of the reports that were generated from yeah, it like yeah, anybody yeah. that's worked at any sort of like gps unit you know it's basically just like a um, thousand numbers yeah yeah and then yeah. you're putting together reports and then you see when they come out at the end and they got these nice little graphs and stuff and you're like the amount of work that goes into that yes yeah. um got to work with the um performance analysis unit to watch all the games back um and that's that's that. something how how much emphasis was on that Oh, massive! Yeah, um, the video analysis and more, more so studying like, how you've been playing. Yeah, and so from the, tw- the twenty ones, eighteens, and the sixteens would have been heavy on it. They would have recorded all the games, and mm-hmm. um, they would have tried as much as possible to record all their games from under elevens up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd have and then their, each player would get feedback and. Yeah, um, like they've got these. Um, as you move up to thirteens and fourteens, they've got kind of like more. Um, f- full-time scholars who are in a certain school mm-hmm. and they're in all the time and then you've got your kind of like broader fringe players i call them who are in the same time but they're not in as often mm-hmm. so obviously those are the players that they'd pay more focus to because when you think about it, if you've got a squad of 20 players for what 10 teams you know you're looking after 200 players mm-hmm. and that's just up to so 16s and 18s okay, that's yeah, not yeah. including the 21s in the first team yeah i yeah. didn't really have that much um contact time with the first team obviously because they have their they're set up they're, they're, staff, they're, yeah. because they're so results based and they have to be obviously yeah. they're, they're strict in their approach and kind of how much they let you see yeah. um, but it was nice like I got to see the 18s the 21s um, 16s all playing games regularly mm-hmm. at the weekend and then just seeing the amount of work that goes on because you're you're in when the first team is in mm-hmm. so like usually it's the 16s that come in first first thing in the morning about 8 o'clock so you're in half an hour an hour before them to get set up yeah. and you're not allowed to leave until the last team leaves so mm-hmm. it's usually like eight o'clock training session to finish at 10 o'clock so you're in all day and you just have to kind of like immerse yourself in it as much of that as possible yeah i was lucky enough in the sense that when i got there did uh but those those that team that gets in on eight yeah would they be there until eight o'clock at night as well um not every day so they might do like double sessions where they come in in the morning do their session they go to school for the day and then they come back oh yeah or they'd come in um do their session do the gym session then they do some sort of education stuff in in yeah. the complex that they had because they'd recently just built i think it was like 10 million pounds or 10 million euros worth of a, an indoor facility yeah indoor astro yeah, gym yeah. Uh, education and what, what about computers. the adults then like what was what was their routine because obviously the kids are working around school but what about the adults what was their routine like oh like they again i didn't see much of them but again they'd probably be in every day bar one and yeah they'd come in in the morning they'd do their uh, gym session 
and then they'd go out and so they do the, sorry half an hour of a prehab session or something go out for their two hours and train come back in eat chill out for a while and then they'd probably go out and do another either a gym session or, or a pitch session mm -hmm. so they'd, they'd train twice twice a day some days mm -hmm. um, or they'd come in for their four hour block and then they go home mm -hmm. so they you still you know put in an awful lot of work but it was just a case of that's their job so like when they're asked to come in you have to come in mm -hmm. so you might have a regular schedule but because you're playing on a friday night and on a monday night you might have to change the schedule so you'd be in on a f thursday morning for a bit of training game friday night probably in again on a saturday for a recovery session for an hour or two mm -hmm. off the sunday and then back in monday night for a game and then that might change in the following week so you, you have to know two or three weeks in advance of when your game is there and then plan around that um the schedule for the, the underage teams is a little bit more set in terms of you train Tuesday and Thursday or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday and you have a game at the weekend on a Saturday or Sunday. Because you're working around school obviously. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah. way they used to work the games is the, the evens would play um, on one day and the odds would play. So the 11s, 13s and 15s would play on oh, one day yeah, and yeah. The, the 12s, 14s and the 16s would play on another day because a lot of times you'd have players playing up or down. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that that's like they had, they worked it really well so they'd have two slots in each team for uh, a player playing up and a player playing down. So you, could, you can play another 12 up and you could play an under 13 down if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. In terms of if it was a smaller, less developed 13-year-old who want, who needed to play games against kids who were physically the same or biologically so the same. So they were looking more at the, the, at the uh, how would you call that? They were looking more at the developmental age yeah. rather than the actual age. Yeah, like you, you'd see some 13-year-olds who are, you know, Marilyn Fellaini, like six foot four, yeah, 13 yeah. years of age, and then you see someone who's two months older, but yet that could be... Just not yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then at the end of the day, it's about kind of developing that child again. Mm -hmm. So not having him compete against someone who's two feet taller than him and physically just going to you know, take the ball off him mm -hmm. every time and he's going to lose confidence and then not be able to kind of show what he's about. Um, so play him down, get his confidence back up. And then you know, you're expecting those kids then to be a little bit more confident in yeah. playing against kids who yeah. they're essentially a year older than, but mm -hmm. kind of biologically and kind of maturationally around the same age anyway. And mm -hmm. I, they probably need to bring that in over here as well, I think, to keep more kids, um, involved, kids yeah. involved. But I think there's just the murky waters around. You'd have teams who are playing their best yeah, player, they're dropping them down, down. Yeah, just to yeah, win. Yeah. The, and it's yeah. that kind of yeah. balancing act which you, you can't get. But like it was just <clears throat> unbelievable. Like, then you worked, what, 7 to 10, so you're working for 15, 16 hours a day wrecked every single day but it was just the fact you're waking up every morning and being like okay hey, I get to go to like a professional football club every day yeah, from work yeah 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 um, wasn't paid for it but like you, know, you looked after in terms of food and the, the staff they were outrageous um, like helpful wise um, and there was a couple of Irish people involved in it as well at the time so it, it felt it was right and it was good because I think that was where I first decided okay now this is what I want to do I, I want to build a program around strength and condition for youth athletes because i see how important it is now over there if you can get it right in a professional club there's no reason why you can't get it right yeah, over for here sure. for yeah, yeah. for kids and you you've you've started to build that um kind of program long term and you know, kids will just start to come in to do word of mouth and it it's it's beneficial from obviously we said it earlier the physical point of view but more so from psychologically like just to develop them social skills um internal discipline kind of behavior wise and like there's no reason why it shouldn't be bigger than what it is now like we've been doing it for about a year now i've been doing it for about a year and a half extra so about two and a half years altogether 
um, and there's what we're getting regularly 18 to 20 kids on a mm-hmm. every day yeah, that they're awesome. on and it's and it's it's massive and you see other people try and do it but I think it's a lot more around the physical side of things and it's there's not yeah like the way the we whole convers- it up, yeah it's, it's, as we touched on before the whole conversation most of the conversation here is about the psychological aspect of it yeah and it can be and even the psychological aspect can be neglected in the adult side of training 100%. as well but it's it's certainly you know far more important than the kids yeah because even now the way i work i'd work the same with kids as i do with adults and vice versa in the same sense that you're working with the person mm, first of course yeah most general population clients from an adult point of view do not care about what exercise they're doing they don't care why it works or what it does when they're doing the exercise from mm-hmm. you know, from a molecular level which you people who have done degrees know about like mm-hmm. if you do one you know, a one at max exercise you'd understand what it does and you can feed it back to someone but they don't care mm-hmm. they just want to come in and you know, get stronger get fitter uh, lose weight, weight tone yeah. up, whatever it is that they want to do so you have as a coach are responsible for one finding out what that is two understanding how it is you're going to get there and then doing it in a way where they're going to enjoy it the most while at the same time being friends with that client mm-hmm. because if they're not friendly with each other and there isn't that uh, client coach relationship they're not going to come back mm-hmm. they're not going to kind of get that buy-in that you need from clients there's no trust and there's no there's so many times where like a client has asked me a question and you almost immediately revert to okay how can i make myself sound really smart to Mm. jump but you're only doing that for yourself like because the the person you're talking to doesn't care like it's gonna be like if you were working with a client in the in the physio room Mm. and you have like you you have to be careful about what you say in terms of especially with the physio client because if you use certain terms it can Kind of have Scared negative connotations yeah, like if yeah. you use the words like pain or can't or shouldn't yeah, with yeah. the client it, it can throw them off mm-hmm. so like you almost have to just give yourself that second where you think okay hey, what what i say here could be like massively important because they I could hold on to it yeah because yeah. i could say four or five different sentences with loads of words and they'd pick up on one mm-hmm. and that's after you've said that word that's them shut out okay mm-hmm. he said the word shouldn't so that's all i can hear now um and you have to have that client coach relationship so that they trust you so that when you ask them to do something they don't question it from the point of view like oh what am i doing that for it's more of like oh i want to know why i'm doing that because i want to know as opposed to like i'm not doing it unless i know why yeah 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 yeah. um because at the end of the day like the person you're working with doesn't really care how much you know they just want you to get them to where they want yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. So like I've I've got like for example I've clients on different spectrums. So I've got one like Derek Hostler who's playing with Galway who's fifteen years of age. So his target is obviously breaking into the first team. So like he's obviously doing a kind of like a power exercise. But he's fifteen years of age. So like he doesn't really care about me explaining why he's doing something mm-hmm. from like a scientific point of view. He just wants to know okay this is why you're doing it because eventually it's going to make you faster, mm-hmm. more athletic. Um, less more resistant to injury and that's his level and he the exercise that he's doing is kind of obviously a little bit more advanced and then you've got like a client whose main focus is you know, flexibility so like there's that how i'd speak to that client to be different to how i speak to dara but ultimately what they do is kind of similar there's there's not a massive difference in terms of the exercises that you use so like dara would use a, a squat pattern 
like and the client I'm using to increase flexibility in the hamstrings might use you know a squat panel or a hinge pattern as well the exercises there's not a million different exercises there's mm. you got to keep things really basic for mm. for people not because they don't need the complexity but you know simple basics work yeah um, of course yeah, yeah. And you just after that, then you just keep them interested. Yeah, and you you, you, you get know. you get like we all know here at this table that like, you know, you do the same movements yeah. consistently over time, and you get progressively stronger at yeah. them, and that's progress. You know, and you just gotta find a way to make it not boring because yeah. doing the same thing every single day for like ten years can get it's really like, boring. We use Mike, use Mike as an example. Mike McCormick doing the marathon. Like he he's program has been fairly similar for the best part of about eight months yeah what's yeah. changed is the volume that he does within that session the yeah. weights that he uses and then slight variations so he's gone from doing maybe like a bench press to a dumbbell incline bench press yeah and slight yeah, changes yeah. keeps it interesting but like we like in the hour that we're in the gym together we don't talk about training he knows what he has to do because he's got the app he sees the program don't need to talk about it he knows that this is going to get him stronger because i've built that trust with him mm-hmm. in terms of he's gone from running 418 in a marathon to running 358 mm-hmm. um from hip dusting 160 180 to doing 340 in about a year and like he, yeah, three, how, how much three, three forty. Three forty. oh man i wouldn't mind but he would get back on yeah, that hip we're, trust we're game. in the gym and he, he did his five sets of four sets of five at 300 his previous max was 320 yeah. and he was like sure throw an extra 20 on each side there and i was like what yeah and i was like mike you're finished he's like no no i want to i want to try to get 340 and i was like <laughs> uh, okay so like at the end of his session he was doing this and yeah. i was like this is outrageous well it's great to see him i was chatting to him yesterday and it's great to see him you know still doing all the running training but keeping his strength as well yeah, do you know what i mean it's, like it's I, a testament to the work he's putting see, in like i you see know. so many people and they they decide to do a run and they might have been gymming regularly and then all of a sudden they're like okay running's most important let's drop the gym session yeah, yeah and then yeah. all of a sudden a week or two later they're they're getting kind of overuse injuries and they're like yeah. oh why is why is this happening to me it's like are you still doing the gym work and they're like no and yeah. i'm like well there you go then because mike even said to me the last time when he was prepping for the the great or the the limerick dublin, marathon dublin, yes. and the dublin one happened both times he's a group of 18 20 lads they're in a whatsapp group and you know, they, they run their long runs together so they're 20 milers every so often and he's continued on with his strength work whereas some of the lads have dropped off and they're now the lads that you know, five to eight weeks out are starting to get these, these niggly injuries yeah, and they're yeah, dropping yeah. out and they're like oh why is this happening whereas like Mike came into the gym yesterday and did what he ran I think he's running 20 miles on Saturday mm-hmm. or Sunday and he came in he did 225 on the hex bar for five sets of three Came in the following day, did uh, 150 for sets of three on the back squat and uh, 170 for sets of five on the RDL. Like he must have, oh, he he just, must have a good recovery protocol too. Like he must be sleeping a lot and he must be fueled. Yeah, that, he, he's, that's he the is. thing, he, he's a weird one because he works odd hours. He yeah. came into the gym yesterday at two o'clock and he worked until 10, nine or 10. No, he was in until the morning time. I think he finished work at like. But he he he's, he he strikes me as someone very calm and like you know oh, yeah, able, to deal with, anything, like. able to deal with stress. His stress level, but also floor, like. to remember that like he's been training really hard for years. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? He's he hasn't just done tolerance. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's vital to know. We we did it before Christmas when there was that period where he just finished the run and then he was not doing anything. We decided okay, we're gonna use this chance now to kind of like do as much volume as we can in terms of just like doing a ridiculous amount in the transition so he ended up having to do like 
60 or five sets of 12 of back squats for like 120 and it took him 48 minutes or four, yeah, it was about 48 minutes to do the whole session mm. for two exercises where usually you get like maybe five or six exercises done in the hour but that now as we've started to like kind of taper down because he's built up that volume before Christmas the volume of his running doesn't take an effect on mm-hmm. his recovery or Joe getting injured and that there's that context that you need to understand like programming don't, yeah, yeah. long term programming for these things so we looked four or five months ago at this particular period in time of four to six weeks before the run where training would be kind of like slightly reduced in the gym but because he's done all this work previously beforehand it's it's kind of paying off now like he's running like i'm not going to give away any times just in case like he gives out to me but (laughs) he's he's running he ran he he ran 20 minutes faster in the limerick or the double marathon compared to the limerick one in three months and that was in october and it's been what six months Mm. of today it's about four and a half weeks that are run and he's running like significantly faster again Mm -hmm. like Shout out to Mike, you got it. Yeah. Super <laughs> plug in his back. Every, every, every time I talk to someone, I always, like, I always use Mike as an example because he's like, he runs marathons, he's really strong. He's, yeah. He's, oh, he's a big lad and he just like, yeah, he just. Yeah. He works, like, he works like, he works, he works a regular job yeah, like any, he's, you not, know, he's not a, he's, he's not a full-time commit. athlete. He's not. Yeah. He's a fan of the pint too, isn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Love, he does like a pint. Yeah. He does like he loves an all, uh, He does yeah. loves <laughs> Loves an all concert as well. Who was he at recently? He was, uh. picture No, no, he went to Drake. He went to Drake recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, uh, no, it's just an example. We'll have to clear this podcast with Mike. This is the podcast with Mike. It's, um. We should have brought him in. It's one of those ones where, like, Mike is a regular person. So it's, like, it's an example of the fact that you don't need to be a full-time athlete. It doesn't have to be, like, your programming doesn't have to be overly complicated. You don't need these weird exercises that you see on Instagram all the time that, get the likes to get the follows get mm-hmm. you know massive views because like basics work like and that's all i've ever done with mike i think the most complicated thing i've ever done with mike was um a nordic hamstring like that's as complicated as it's gotten like yes um, and it's again it's not overly that complicated but it's just mm-hmm. basics works because i understand what i want to get from the session what he needs and then okay what exercise can i use then to fit in there and Super. that's okay that's it. Shout out to Mike. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up with our with our quick fire. So what okay. we do at the end, we we shoot some questions. You answer first thing comes to your head. And then are we gonna talk about his uh, his <laughs> application form? Yeah, we can get that too. Actually, you talked you chatted about the FAI earlier. So we did. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We, t- we touched on that. But it's, nice, it's, nice. We're we're still unsure of when that's gonna be played. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. when that gets cleared up. Um, we'll be bringing a bus up from Limerick. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Okay, get the pleasure when it comes to food. Oh god, uh, pizza or apple loopies from Little. Apple-loopies-oh-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-yeah-y
Um, from a coaching point of view, either um, Legacy, the one by Steve Kerr and the All Backs, or um, Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Okay, I, I have I see, read yeah, the yeah. first page, but I follow him on Instagram, and you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a good one. Um, other than that book, I haven't really read any other books that haven't been work-related. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a massive reader, so yeah, yeah, that'd be one that I'd definitely... A podcast series and all that? Uh, Cooper Fuckle. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know other than that um, the, yeah. the podcast I'd listen to the most would probably be a Guru Performance Podcast mm-hmm. um, so Dr. Lauren Vanock he was recently the um, performance nutritionist for the Egyptian um, FA at the World Cup oh. um, and like from a, a nutrition point of view it's, it's been helpful to see those insights yes um, yeah yeah but again just with the amount of coaching and stuff I'm doing in the gym I don't really get a chance yeah, to listen yeah, to them anymore yeah. so um, if you could have a conversation with someone dead or alive who would it be dead or alive give us one of each mm, interesting dead or alive alive would probably be Gigi Buffon nice. goalkeeper for oh nice nice um, just purely from the fact that like Growing up like he's yeah, man he was cool and he's still he playing still like, a cool man. Yeah. like he's, he's like 40 is he he's just to turn so, 40 he's yeah. about 41 now but like he's just he's slick man. man yeah um a lot of dead then um oh i go live for both of them uh gary v probably another one kill oh, yeah yeah that's yeah. because yeah. yeah, nice. i've um, read his book as well and i'd i'd have list or would have regularly watched his stuff on youtube mm-hmm. but it's too long to, for me to watch it now any travel plans with Claire? Uh, I feel obliged. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she, she did. She did say uh, to mention it. Um, at the moment, there is kind of plans. Nowhere set. Um, probably look at maybe going to Australia for like two weeks. Super. Uh, New Year's maybe. But other than that, I got like a big chunk of time to fill in. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Anything else you want to ask? She's gonna be happy with that. Uh, one. no, anything no. You wanna, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? Um, Website, all that kind of stuff. Socials, where to find you? Yeah. So I suppose I do, I do most of my stuff on Instagram. Um, so it's like SW underscore Elite. Um, it's also my discount code for Country Munch. So shout Country Munch. Yeah. Ten percent off. Oh, SW. Oh, I was gonna plug. Don't worry. Oh, it's like Ben Ambassador. Um. A little bit on Facebook, but not too much. Um, I think it's at Sports Science Steve. Uh, the website is stephenmwalsh.com. And starting to do more on YouTube as well, um, just with time and stuff like that. So that's uh, just my name, Stephen Walsh. Yeah. Um, and you've got a YouTube series for... Yeah, so we started that. It's been a long time yeah. coming with that one. Um, so yeah, started the YouTube series um, based on kind of like youth led development. So at the moment, it's just um, lower body movements, upper body movements for kind of getting started in the gym um, there terms is terminology of that terminology well. so if you're if you're completely new to the gym like whatever and you've, yeah. you've you're actually listening to this you can actually go back and watch that first one and it kind of mm-hmm. goes all, over all those things um, but yeah lots more to come on that hopefully in the next couple of weeks um, and what the goal I know because I know we've spoken about this the goal would be to have like a video series that if you're a kid or yeah. a parent that like doesn't know what is appropriate yeah that you can go and watch this series of videos yeah. and it brings you up to speed and it just yeah. teaches you what you need to know and then from there it's about implementing it yeah and it's yeah. just again getting more comfortable um in the gym because yeah. I, mean, I think yeah. one of the first things i said in the first one was that like people hear these terms like hypertrophy volume mm-hmm. and like, even like a repetition they're like you know, 
what's that? What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and it and it it's something so small, but it's something because we are involved in it like on a daily basis, we're kind of re- removed from the fact that like not everybody knows this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and that would be one of the things that I would like finish off with that like you have to constantly remind yourself as a coach that not everybody knows this stuff. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is fluent in like you know, gym speak. Or yeah. But like the biggest lesson I'd say anybody, whether you're like in kind of thinking about going into the sport and science shoot or the, even the fitness industry as a whole, um, is that like always remember that you're coaching the person first as opposed to like an exercise or an athlete. Like it's the person first, build that like relationship with them and then like apply the principles not just don't be stuck to methods like you know like a, a powerlifting method or like you know five sets of five or whatever it is that you've read that's oh this works the thing is like everything works if you can stick to it and be consistent with anything anything would work like, you know, like losing weight being a calorie deficit doesn't matter how you get there just stick to it for a longer period of time when you lose weight so just take it uh, a client or a person-centered approach to things as opposed to okay this is how much i know I'm going to impress this person with how much I know and how many words I can say and then go from there. Super. Super. Right, we're going to wrap it up. Steven, thank you very much. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. All right.